Hey friends, welcome to today's episode. Today I am talking with Ashton Cope all about meal planning. And I know that you're thinking another episode about the meal planning that we've all heard, but I'll tell you what friends, when Ashton sent me her pitch email, it was so creative that I knew that this girl had to be putting a new spin on meal planning and boy did she. I am so excited to introduce you guys to Ashton. She is a Midwest-based meal planning consultant, and her mission is to help women meal plan their way to less grocery spending, less wasted food, and more kitchen confidence. She knows how difficult it can be to try to please everyone in the family with something tasty, healthy, and affordable, and she helps women figure out how they can lean into their unique schedule and preferences to remix the same ingredients multiple ways to reduce food waste and cutting costs. You guys, Ashton, check her out on Instagram. Her and her daughters are cute as a button, but without further ado, I cannot wait to introduce you guys to my new friend, Ashton Cope. Hi there, I'm Jenna Kutcher. I'm the host of the Gold Digger Podcast, and I'm so excited that you're hearing me right now because that means that I get to introduce you to my friend, Michelle Hagen. Michelle is a mama on a mission dedicated to inspire other women to chase their dreams and their passions no matter what season of life they're in. And I've gotten the privilege to mentor and coach Michelle. She was one of my top 10 students in my community of over a thousand women, and she helped lead and inspire other mamas just like you. And now you, my friend, you get a front row seat. So sit back, relax, and get ready to be inspired. Welcome to the Living Your Calling podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Hagen, and my mission is to help you step into whatever you're truly called to do. I'm a Midwest wife and mom, and I built my business and dreams between the moments of motherhood. I believe that you can create your dreams around whatever season of life you're in. I'm obsessed with creating connections, out-of-the-box ideas, and cheering people on in whatever goal they're chasing. This is a place where you can come to feel like you're joining your best friends for coffee, for real talk of what's happening in life and business. Whether you're working on personal development or business, friend, I got you. Each week, you will find an episode that educates, inspires, and helps you take action to step into your calling and live your best life. You're listening to the Living Your Calling podcast, inspiring you to be and create exactly what you were made for. Are you ready? Here we go. Hi, Ashton. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. This is a topic that is perfect for kicking off the beginning of the year because so many women and just people in general are thinking about their health and setting new goals for the new year and how can we cleanse out all the sugar of the holidays and all the bad food of the holidays. Um, And so this is a perfect topic to be early in the year here with us and talking about um, meal planning. And since you plan and do meal planning intensives with people to help them with their health and their meal planning, this is going to be a perfect topic for us to dive into today. But before we start, why don't you introduce yourself, tell the audience a little bit about you and um, what you do. Yeah. So my name is Ashton Cope. 
I am from a small town just outside Grand Rapids, Michigan. I have two toddlers, both girls. They are two and four, so my hands get pretty full pretty fast. Um, but I started my, I guess you could say my online presence in 2016 when my oldest was about two months old. And I had come off of working full time all the way to delivery to now not working at all and thinking naively while I was pregnant that, oh, I'm going to be so busy being the stay-at-home mom and my baby. I can spend all this time with her only to realize that when they're that little, they just sleep most of the day. So I found myself getting really bored. So I have always been someone who needs a project at all times. I typically have five to six going at once just because that's my nature. So I decided to start a blog after getting really into Pinterest and seeing all these new mom bloggers on Instagram. I was super late to the party, but I didn't even realize I was. I didn't realize how rich the internet is with moms sharing their stories, which is so cool. So I decided to start a lifestyle and fashion blog, which was pretty short-lived um, because I realized I'm actually not into fashion <laughs> and I don't <laughs> love to share about my lifestyle. So um, I kind of pivoted three or four times over the next three years um, and finally kind of landed on meal planning. And it was kind of by accident. I had tried to dabble in home improvement and um, DIY and crafting and all of that. And I just kind of struggled for a long time to find my thing, my niche. Mm -hmm. Until one day, it was the end of the year in 2019. So almost a year ago now. Um, and I had shared something on my Instagram story about my meal planning, just very, you know, just kind of nonchalant with sharing my day. And I got flooded with questions. How do you meal plan? What What do you do? I can't seem to stick to it. I can't seem to come up with new ideas. I'm so tired of my family turning their nose up at every new thing I put in front of them. And I finally realized, oh my goodness, I think I I think I found my thing because I love talking about food, which is such a weird thing. <laughs> but I love like talking about recipes and talking about good food and trying new things. And so um, it kind of just blossomed from there. I really leaned into it for all of 2020, even during all of the craziness. It ended up being a blessing because all of us were cooking at home so much that mm -hmm my topic was never needed more than in 2020. So um, yeah, I've kind of just been figuring it out since that because I really never expected that to be a market, but I found a market when I least expected it. Yeah, I love how, let's go back a little bit to talking about how you tried different things as you like till you finally found your thing. And I think so often women who are starting their businesses or who are moms just like we were, and then you're like, well, I need something else than just being a stay at home mom. But they think that they have to like have it perfect before they can start. Um, and so I would love to just kind of hear your thoughts on like the action of like, did you just like, well, I'm just going to start a blog. And so you just went for it. Or like, did you try to plan stuff before you went? Like, what did that look like for you? 
So a little bit of both, because I think I made the number one mistake that most new business owners and new um, brands in general make, and that is to focus so heavily on the branding Mm -hmm. and not the purpose of your business. And Mm -hmm. so I never actually, when I first got started, I think that was why I never found my thing, so to speak, because I never stopped and thought, "What what problem am I solving for people? All I thought about was, well, I want it to feel like this and I want it to look like this and I want to have my pictures edited this way and I want to have this aesthetic and all of that is fun and they call it like the sexy side of owning a business, but it's one of the least important aspects of running a sustainable business. And so I hired coach after coach trying to see like, but they can't answer that for you. You have to answer that for yourself. And so until you find that thing that you're not just passionate enough about, but that you are sustainably passionate about so that you can continue talking about that thing and never get burnt out or sick of it, you kind of are at a standstill until you, you know, you figure out your thing. And some of that is, you know, you're not always going to be excited to get up and talk about the same thing or come up with a different way to talk about it. But um, some of it does have to do with just kind of pushing through and taking the messy, I think Jenna Kutcher calls it messy action Mm -hmm. because it's no one's first draft is going to be perfect. And that's why they call it a draft. So just putting it out there and and then taking the feedback, even if it's, you know, you have one follower and they like it, at least you got some positive feedback on it and you can continue heading in that direction until you learn otherwise. So, yes. Yeah, that was kind of like my biggest struggle was sticking to something, pushing through even when it got, you know, discouraging maybe because we get really impatient and we expect like, if you build it, they will come, but that's not the case. Um, And just kind of not putting so much emphasis on the pretty part of owning a business and more the like gritty part of owning a business. Yes, I agree with that so much. And it's interesting that sometimes I think people think that, well, I'm really skilled and knowledgeable in this. So that's what I should be teaching or that's what I should create my business around. But when you wake up every morning and your feet hit the ground, you're like, I don't want to talk about this. Then like, that's not your thing. Um, And I know for me personally, my journey has kind of been the same of trying to figure out exactly where is this like whole ship steering? Like I kind of built a ship. Now it's like, well, which way are we going? Um, And it's, it's been constant pivoting. And that's one thing that I know we've talked about a lot on this show is that it's okay to pivot. And if you are in the entrepreneur world, no one is going to fault you for pivoting. You might think that the outside sources or the people who are looking at your business, like your friends or your family, are like, oh, well, here she is trying another thing. But really, when you talk to the people who are in the trenches with you, they'll be like, oh, yeah, that made total sense why you pivoted that way. Of course you would. Like, duh. Um, And I think that it's remembering who, like, what group of people are speaking into you about that as well is super important. Yes, totally. So what did it look like for you having a baby and then 
um, your second daughter. So my boys are the exactly two years apart like yours. So I totally get the trenches that you're in and the two and the four are so hard, but I'm two years ahead of you. So um, <laughs> mine are almost six and four. So life gets a little less crazy. But what is that? What does a day look like for you in terms of working and um, just doing a business and being home with your kids too? It looks like a lot of breaks. That's probably the most um, important lesson I've had to learn this year specifically, especially because babysitters don't exist during a pandemic. Um, And so I have kind of adapted my own version of, I don't know if you've heard of the Pomodoro method. It's Mm -hmm. like, so you work for 20 minutes and then you break for five and then you work for 20 minutes and then you break for five. And I'm not adhering to it very strictly, but it basically is that type of work. So I've had to get really, really intentional with my time more than ever before. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially because getting up and going to sleep look completely different this year even than ever before. And so my my business model last year was get up at five, work all the way until the kids wake up. They were also younger. And so they Mm -hmm. slept a little bit better. Now they're kind of at that age where they are like 60 miles an hour the minute their eyes open. Mm -hmm. So um, I've kind of adapted (laughs) a lot of how I my work style has looked um, throughout the year to kind of getting as much as I can get done and then letting go of the frustration when I get stopped right in the middle. It takes a lot of discipline because, you know, it used to be when creativity struck, I could run and quickly, you know, scribble something down so that I wouldn't forget it. Now it looks more like typing a very broken sentence into my notes on my phone so I don't forget and then trying to make sense of it later just so I can try to get back into the swing of my workflow but it's definitely it's it's made me a lot more present with my kids when I'm taking those breaks or not working Mm -hmm. so I mean as frustrating as it can be sometimes it actually has been really beneficial for all of us because now I feel like I'm putting more more of myself into my business when I'm in my business and into the kids when I'm with the kids. So, mm. I mean, that's, I guess, a blessing in itself that we've kind of all been forced to be home together more and learn how to be together better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's such great advice, even for someone who's a mom and just trying to navigate and figure out like, how am I going to do all of this? Um, Sometimes I think that we forget that it doesn't have to be perfect. And whatever's your version is the perfect version for you. Right, for sure. Okay, so let's dive in because I'm so excited to hear your tips and tricks about meal planning and meal planning with kids. Because I know for me, I'm like, well, I could meal plan for myself and it would look really healthy, but my kids will never eat that. And so I'm excited to hear some of the things that um, you have to share on this topic. So why do you think that it's so hard for women to plan their weekly meals consistently? 
You know, it's kind of funny because I compare meal planning almost to like self-care. It's the thing that you almost need to do the most as like the foundation of you. But somehow it always gets put on the back burner until you finally do it and you realize, oh my goodness, my life is so much easier or better or I feel better when I do this. And that's kind of how meal planning is. Because we put it as the last priority, because when we think about it, we think, oh, it's going to take so long. I have to look up ideas. What if my family doesn't like it? What if, you know, I end up busy at the end of the week? I've got a huge week ahead of me. We'll just grab takeout. But that feeling that we all get in our gut when we're grabbing takeout on a really, really busy weeknight isn't that great of a feeling. Mm-hmm. And we didn't plan for it, you know, because growing up, um, Back, you know, when I was a teenager, my family was fairly good at cooking at home for the most part. My mom would kind of divvy up the responsibility since we were older. And so the feeling I got when we did takeout nights was like this exciting feeling of, oh, this is a treat. We never get to have this. And even if you, you know, implement takeout multiple times a week because that's what your lifestyle calls for, that's okay. But you need to feel like you're not failing when you do that. And when we don't meal plan and we end up falling back on ordering a pizza, there's nothing wrong with ordering a pizza. But it's that we felt like we failed ourselves and we failed our family. And so it's that fear of failure almost that holds us back from it. And it's the fear of spending all this time only to find out that it was, you know, all for nothing because no one wants to touch what we made. We have to fight every single night just to put it in front of someone. And that is what I am trying to crush (laughs) with Mm -hmm. my services because I want people to feel confident and good about what they're making and how they're making it. Mm, Yeah, I can totally relate to the feeling guilty because it was like, well, I'm too tired and I don't know what we have planned, especially for me. Fourth quarter is always super busy because I still do some insurance work and it's like crazy busy. The hours are crazy. And half the time, I feel like by the time the insurance season is over, I like feel gross because we just ate crap food because it was like, I'm too tired. I'm exhausted. I was worked longer hours than I thought. And we would just grab food. And then it's interesting because the boys are now like, well, can't we just go get whatever, you know, go pick up food. And I was like, no, this is not a habit that we, right. like we just now think it's normal because we did it for a couple of weeks. Exactly. So what are good ways to get started with, meal planning? Yeah, there's, I like to look at it as three factors. When you're going to get started, you need to look at three aspects of your life before you actually sit down to plan a single meal. So the first one is look at your schedule. How often can you actually cook? How many takeout nights do you need to implement? If you're a leftover eating family, how many leftovers are you going to eat or repurpose or whatever? And then, you know, there's also those nights that you can say, we're going to have cereal for dinner. I'm going to make a box of mac and cheese for dinner. It's, it's not necessarily 
having a healthy meal on the table every single night. It's just making sure that you're really intentional about the healthy meals that you do put on the table so that when they do get put in front of everyone, it's not this big shock and surprise and they're a little bit more willing to try new things, especially if you are still keeping those tried and true favorite nights. If they love cereal, include cereal for dinner one night. It's way easier on you and they will be more likely to try something new because they've, you know, had something familiar in front of them every night. They Kids can sometimes get like new food burnout, mm. but you don't want to, you know, have all these crazy new recipes in front of them every single night. So that's your schedule. The second one is your priorities. So what's important for you when it comes to cooking? Is it I want less dishes in my sink? Is it I want to make sure it's super healthy? Is it I want something really quick and easy? Or even something like a crock pot meal or a sheet pan dinner where you want to just set it and forget about it and not have to think about it all day. Your priorities are really important because not only will it help you when it comes time to actually prepare dinner, not feeling that I'm too exhausted and burnt out feeling because you've planned ahead for that schedule. But also, if you are looking to delegate to maybe a husband or an older child or a nanny or a babysitter, they will be able to have clear direction on how to help you. Mm. And sometimes that's what's missing the most when we're trying to delegate responsibility is that clear direction. So your schedule and your priorities. And the third one is your realistic desire. If you only feel like cooking one night a week, only plan one cooked meal a week because better that than purchase all these groceries only to have them rot in your fridge because you didn't need them. So if you feel like, you know, I've got this super busy week, there's really only one night that I can realistically see myself standing in the kitchen for an hour, chopping vegetables, getting everything ready, standing over the stove. That's okay. Like be super realistic with yourself. You'll always you know, have other months where you cook more and other weeks where you do more. So be really realistic with yourself and don't beat yourself up if that number is less than, you know, you'd like it to be. Because like I said, better to only plan and buy for what you realistically will make than plan and buy for all of these meals that you know you're not going to cook and then have to throw away all of this wasted food because wasted food equals wasted money. Mm, that is so great. And I love how you had said, like, it's okay to, and like, give yourself permission to have like mac and cheese night and cereal night. Because I think as moms, there's so much guilt of like, well, I have to have like a healthy meal, well-rounded, and it has to have fruits and vegetables and everything on their plate. And sometimes that's just not the easy, easy thing. And it is sometimes it's like, I just want to cook whatever they're going to eat. The kids will eat so that I don't have to hear fighting about it by the end of the night, especially if it's days where I've worked like really long hours or had tons of stuff and I'm already burnt by the end of the day. And that's where I notice like my fuse starts to snap is when I'm like, if you will just eat the food and we could be done with this and move on but it becomes an hour fight. And that's where sometimes it's just not worth it. 
Well, yeah. And how much more does it fill your cup if you give them something that you know they won't argue about and you just got to spend, you know, 30 minutes sitting with your kids, having a peaceful dinner? They'll always catch up the next day with, you know, tomorrow's a new day. You can add the extra veggie to their lunch. You can put the fruit in front of them for breakfast. Just give yourself the grace and allow yourself a peaceful dinner experience so that you can head into the next day totally recharged, more prepared for perhaps that mealtime argument that you may have. It just, it does. It fills your cup up so much more to be able to just say, here's what you want. I'm not going to argue. We'll try again tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I love how you said that, like, add the vegetable to the next day or to the next meal. Um, Because even for some people, maybe it's not dinner and it's breakfast. Like, I know in breakfast in our house, I am not a morning person. I, like, don't like being talked to in the morning. But when you have kids, like, you, someone has to talk to you. But so they're, like, breakfast is never like eggs and fruit and, and all these things. It's literally like, what can you make yourself? The package of oatmeal, a bagel, some milk. You had something in you, like what's some protein so that you're good to go for school for my oldest. Um, but remembering, oh, but when they do have lunch, they get super well-balanced lunches, super well-balanced dinners and snacks. And that sometimes if you have, if it's like to save your sanity, that's okay too. And I love that. Yeah, and lunchtime is one of the more social meals for kids. So putting those extra veggies in their lunch is one of the best times of day to sneak them in because they're sitting at lunch, especially if they're in school, they're sitting at lunch, they're talking with their friends, and they're nibbling while they're talking, not thinking about, you know, what you may have put in there. And so even if they ate one baby carrot out of the Mm -hmm. bag, you still got that extra veggie in there. And then maybe the next time you put it in there, they're, they're more likely to eat two or three. So lunchtime is a great time to just kind of sneak those in. Mm, I love that. Have you always been dreaming about creating an event for your business? But of course, in the season we're in, in person just still isn't really an option. Well, I am so excited because online events are my jam. And I have come up with a way that you can create your perfect online event as well. Don't feel like you have to create something that is huge and flashy like we are seeing some of the big names in businesses do. You can create micro events that are perfect for your audience. I can help you figure out how to tailor your event to your audience and whether it be live or pre-recorded, I know that there is a perfect online event for you that is going to impact your business and to help your customers or your followers feel more connected to you. An event is a great way to let your people get a better inside look onto you and your heart and your business. So whether it be a micro summit, an online conference, an educational event, or whatever you can dream up, girl, I am so excited to help you plan it. 
head to michellehagan.com for more info or send me a DM on Instagram at Michelle and Hagen and say, Michelle, how can I plan my event with you? And I look forward to hearing from you. Okay. So how do we incorporate healthy meals into dinner? Or if we have kids who are just super picky, I know my youngest It's either I liked it yesterday and then you put it in front of me today and that is disgusting and I don't eat that. Like, no, me never eat that. I'm like, ate it yesterday. (laughs) That's the age. My oldest is at that exact same age. She was like the least picky child. And suddenly she has like five things that she'll eat. Two of them are pasta. (laughs) So with no sauce. So I get it. Um, I have been trying and implementing my own rule, which is the two to one rule. So for every one new or healthy food that may not be something that they're really familiar or fond of, you always put two familiar favorites on the plate. So Mm. they already see two things that they love. So for example, my daughter really, really loves pasta with butter. That's she just wants pasta with butter. And By some miracle, she also loves steamed broccoli. So if I want to try to get her, let's say, to try sweet potato, not a huge fan of potatoes. She's really not even a huge fan of French fries. But if I put the sweet potato on the plate in a small portion next to two larger portions of her favorite things, she may be more likely to try at least one bite of it. And we have to remember that it takes even adults 10 times to try something before they really know if they like it. So Mm -hmm. another way to implement those healthier meals, even if it feels a little bit like a failure at the time of the meal, it's not. We have a very strict no thank you bite policy in my house, which I learned working in preschool because they eat family style in preschool classrooms. So Even if they hate it, they despise it. Even if they said two nights ago that they hate green beans, they still have to try one bite of green beans tonight because you never know when your, you know, your taste might change and it might be a texture thing. You know, you never know with kids. It could just be all in their head. They've already told themselves that they don't like it. So the number of times my daughter has said, oh, wow, that's not that bad. I'm like, okay, see, it wasn't, I'm not, you know, poisoning you. I'm just giving you something that's going to nourish your body, heaven forbid. So um, definitely those two things are great with kids, the two to one rule and the no thank you bite. And like I said, it's kind of a slow process because the first few times you probably will only get one or two bites out of them. But, you know, you never know by the ninth or 10th time, they could be finishing that entire portion and asking for more. Mm, that is great advice because I never thought about even if the meal that I make is something they don't like but if I added like goldfish to the side of it because I know he will eat the goldfish or the cheese stick or whatever that is it's still getting food in his stomach yep and then having them we do the same thing we call them the Daniel Tiger try it bites because and then they have to sing this song of like try it you might like it I don't even I can't think of like the tune but you know they sing it and they're like how many Daniel Tiger try it bites do I have to take three (laughs) you know and it's so interesting even how you said if in kids minds because I have this chicken that I make 
in it's like a crockpot chicken. They've eaten it plenty of times and they complain every time I put it in front of them. Yeah. But as soon as they take a bite, they're like, Oh, this is really good. And I was like, see, I told you, you have eaten this plenty of times yeah. and you do like it. <laughs> um, and that's where like the no thank you bites come in, but such a great idea of, putting things in front of them that we know that they like and making them look like bigger portions. Even if I spread the goldfish out, it might look like there's more, you know, it takes yep. up more space exactly. than the piece of chicken. Yep. I love that. And I loved um, how you also had mentioned about um, just making sure that they try it because I never even thought as an adult that I have to try things 10 times because we don't think about that as an adult. Even I'm like, Oh, well I didn't like that. And so I don't eat it. Yeah. Just like crab. I don't even think I've eaten crab 10 times in my life because I eat enough. I don't like that. It's gross. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but maybe if I try it 10 times, I'll change my mind. I'm yeah. not sure. But um, that's just a great reminder to remember that just because we introduce it one or two times, that they have to be exposed to it more than that to be actually wanting to eat it. Yeah. And, and try to, you know, remix how you prepare it. If they hate, you know, vegetables being steamed, try them, you know, baked on a sheet pan. Maybe they'll like that texture better or the smell better because things always smell really good when they're being baked. Things don't always smell so great when they're being steamed, especially like vegetables like broccoli, green beans, things like that. So, you know, you may also kind of trick them into trying it as a newer food if it's prepared a little bit differently. And then they might be more likely to at least sample it. Interesting. Okay, so is there a trick to sticking with this meal planning and sticking with meal planning that we know that our kids will eat? Yes, I would say the trick to sustainable meal planning is to be, like I said earlier, really realistic and take it easy on yourself. Don't get these grand plans right out of the gate when you haven't planned out meals in months and decide, I'm going to cook five meals this week and they're all going to be healthy and they're all going to be from scratch. You know, that's a great sentiment. And of course, that's what we all want. But that's not sustainable. So even if that's I'm going to do like five homemade meals this month, then you kind of have more freedom to span them out. Make sure because a lot of times when you're doing things homemade and from scratch, you end up with a lot of dishes in your sink. And that is a huge factor in what meals you're going to make as well. Because if you're already exhausted and you're standing in the kitchen making all this food, the last thing you're going to want to do is do all these dishes after. But then that means that the next day when you come home from work or you get up for work, you have all these dishes piled in your sink and you're going to be even less likely to cook anything that night because it's just extremely daunting. So... Make sure that your meal plan complements your month rather than determines it or dictates it. Make sure that you have your month planned before you have your meals planned. So be really, really honest with yourself about these happen to be my really long days of work. I know that Thursdays, a lot of people like to do takeout on Thursday nights just because it's like you've worked four days straight. You're so tired. So, um, 
you know, maybe you're a family that's like Monday is horrible and I hated going back to work. So we're going to just do something really simple. You know, that's okay. There is no rule to where, who and what you're going to, you know, who's going to cook, what you're going to make, when you're going to make it, there's no rules. So make your own rules and be willing to bend them as your schedule requires. And if possible, delegate responsibility where it's needed. Um, One of my clients owns her own daycare out of her house. And so when I plan out her meals, I plan meals that are really easy for her husband to prepare. Mm. So it's a lot of like three to five ingredient meals that are, you know, two to three steps, a lot of crock pot stuff, a lot of sheet pan stuff. Um, I have a lot of moms that maybe have like one day off a week to spend with their kids. And so they don't want to spend that whole day prepping all these healthy meals for the week. So one of the things I recommend is make sure that when you do find that spare minute, maybe you're not a morning person, but you do kind of prepare somewhat of a balanced lunch for the kids. You're chopping up carrots or whatever, pull out some of the veggies for a couple dinners while your cutting boards there, while your knife is there, chop them up, throw them in some Tupperware and put them in the fridge so that you just cut dinner prep time in half for two other Mm -hmm. dinners. That makes it so much easier. And that 20 minute meal now becomes a 10 minute meal or a five minute meal because um, you've, you know, you've planned ahead. So um, one other thing I like to recommend is lean into seasonal trends. Um, we kind of tend to do this anyways, because as the weather gets colder, we want really cozy food. As the weather gets warmer, we can't wait to start grilling and making all of this fresh, delicious, like local produce stuff. Mm-hmm. So make sure that, you know, as you search for these meals, you're using keywords of like, say, you know, your kids happen to really love beef. My kids love love, love, like steak, not so much ground beef, but steak. So if I can create something in a crock pot that I didn't have to think about, that at least looks somewhat and smells somewhat like steak, whether that's like, you know, a beef roast or a sheet pan fajita dinner with like sliced steak, whatever it looks like, I might be able to get them to eat all of those peppers and onions and things like that. If I have like I said earlier, that two to one rule. And then I'm also using seasonal things, especially like if I'm doing that fajita sheet pan in the summer, I'm able to get those bell peppers, which eating seasonally can often be cheaper. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a lot easier to buy a small quantity and use it up and then go back and get something fresh again in the winter. That's a little bit tougher. So that's why we're making a lot of potatoes and like really heavy things. But we also have to remember that these things grow in these seasons for a reason. And so um, leaning into those seasonal vegetables, those winter squash and those heavier things, they're really good for us. And they have the nutrients and the proteins that we need for that time of year. Especially mm. way back in the past, in the winter, people really struggled to, you know, get food on the table and to, you know, preserve things and keep them. And so these heavier foods kept them fuller longer. A lot of the winter squash are complex carbohydrates, which nourish us better. We metabolize them slower, which keeps us full longer. 
So don't feel bad about putting, you know, a potato or a squash or something heavy into multiple meals in a week because they actually are giving us exactly what we need when we need them. Mm -hmm. I love that. Like I never thought about the seasonal of and the reasons behind why we eat the way that we eat. Like God already planned all that. He already knew what was going to grow, especially as people in the Midwest. I had like the biggest smile because I'm in Nebraska. I'm like, oh, you're Midwest girls. Of course they're eating steak because that's where it all comes from. (laughs) But um, that is such a great idea. And to give yourself like the okay that in this season, like to eat the heavier foods and the soups and the things like that when it's warm and cold, especially people here in the Midwest. I know with the garden, I created my COVID garden. I was so proud of myself. We didn't get like much out of it. But, you know, uh, especially Midwest people where it's super cold. I had some friends who were like, well, you can still grow stuff in the winter. And I laughed and I was like, no, like, unless you want me to go chip it out of the ice, there's nothing you can grow. No or whatever herbs can grow in the window. But um, just remember that like, that's okay. And as you were even talking about the keeping us fuller longer, when here where it's cold in the Midwest and, you know, other parts of the country, even if we're fuller longer, like when we're home, because we don't go out as much, like then it maybe will keep you from snacking because you're still full. Yeah, exactly. And and in fact, eating those as snacks is actually, you know, better make sure, you know, you have portion control and you don't deep fry them and things like that. But we almost count them out because we think, oh, they're super starchy and they're full of carbs and carbs are so bad now with keto being so popular and they have a lot of sugar. But actually those carbs and those sugars are really, really good for helping you almost to lose weight because they keep you full longer. So you're eating less. So although maybe it seems heavier, that's good because then you're eating less of the other things. So yeah, make sure, especially Midwestern people, like, like you said, it's cold. So it's okay to eat that stuff. You know, we, We have a beautiful harvest season when the warm weather does come and there's nothing like a Midwest summer, honestly. That's why we're still all living where we're living. So embrace the good things about like where you live in the winter. If that's delicious, cozy soups and stews and casseroles, by all means, like live your best soup and casserole life while you can. Yeah, because in the summer, it's way too hot to have any soup here. Exactly. Is there anything else that you wanted to share with moms around meal planning for our families and our kids before we wrap up? I would say starting today, start a list in the notes section of your phone of family favorites. If you hear someone talking about something that was good or you happen to serve a meal that they really liked, take not just a mental note, but take an actual note of it. Compile this whole list so that when you are sitting down to plan out these meals, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but 99% of the time when I sit down and I ask my husband or my kids, what sounds good for dinner this week? I always hear, I don't know. I don't care. So I plan it. I make it. And I serve it and suddenly they're like, I don't like that. I don't want that. Even my husband has done that to me. Oh, you're making that? I'm like, you said you didn't care. So 
when you're sitting down, don't just say what sounds good for dinner. If you are getting that, you know, aloof response, come back with, okay, well, you really liked this meal. You really liked this. Kind of give them two or three choices. And and then that way you have control over what you feel like making as well. You're not just, you know, say, you know, someone's favorite meal happens to be this homemade from scratch thing. And that's what they always request. Don't even give them the option of requesting it. Give them two or three choices of things that they've already liked in the past that you have no problem making again. And those suggestions will be easier on everyone because you'll be happy to make it and they'll be happy to eat it. Mm, That is great advice. Okay, so the last question I always ask everyone as we end the podcast is if you could look back on the Ashton a few years ago when you were, you're still in the deep little years of, of motherhood, but, you know, in the newborn life and things like that, what advice would you give yourself? I would say to trust the process and to trust myself because all of those pivots led up to the right time and the right topic. And don't worry that I'm not feeling exactly how I should think I should feel back then because I needed that time to lean into the learning and the pivoting and the figuring it out. There's so much figuring out that you do in those early years. And then I would also say, don't focus so much on the pretty stuff um, and take messy action. (laughs) Those would be my three pieces of advice. Mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom today. If any of the listeners want to reach out to you or find you, where should they go? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram. That's kind of where I hang out the most at at Ashton Cope, A-S-H-T-I-N-C-O-P-E. You can also find me on my website, AshtonCope.com, and then on Facebook. And my business name is just Ashton Cope. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I cannot wait to hear all of the meal plans and the ways that this episode helped the women listening. Thank you so much for having me. I loved it. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Living Your Calling podcast. If you love this episode, will you share it with a friend or leave a review? Make sure that you subscribe or follow so that you don't miss a single episode. I love hearing from listeners and connecting. You can find us over on Instagram at the Living Your Calling podcast or at Michelle Ann Hagen. Join us inside of our private Facebook community called the Living Your Calling podcast community. It's free. So why don't you join us inside? You can join by clicking the link in our Instagram bios or checking out the show notes. Join us and we will dive in deeper and I can't wait to connect with you. If you needed someone to remind you that you are worthy of your dreams, friend, this is it. I promise that you are worthy of whatever is on your heart and whatever calling you are wanting to chase. I am proud of you and I'm here for you. You're listening to the Living Your Calling podcast, inspiring you to be and create exactly what you were made for. 